God is working on who and what you're becoming while you're doing good and productive things with your life. This message is the eighth in the series, Believable. The message is entitled, What Do You Believe About Your Duties and Responsibilities, Part Two. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. We are wrapping up our series called Believable today. I want to talk to you for a few moments about what you believe about your duties and what you believe about your responsibilities in life. We started this theme last weekend. If you missed last weekend's message, I would encourage you to go online at church-redeemer.org and you can download the message from last weekend. It'll bring you up to speed with the three points I shared uh, last weekend and three more that I'll share with you this weekend that will help us to understand what we need to believe about our duties and responsibilities. What you believe in life is really important. And whether we, you realize it or not, you actually choose your beliefs. You choose beliefs and your beliefs begin to form and develop you. Your beliefs will form how you think. Your beliefs will determine your behavior. Most people think that their behavior is separate from their beliefs, but it's not true. Your beliefs determine how you behave in life. And so it's extremely important that we take time and we think about what we actually believe. What do we believe about God? What do we believe about ourselves in relationship with God? What do we believe about the role that God has given us in our world? These are very important questions to answer, and it's very important that we establish our beliefs on truth. Because if you are believing something opposite than the truth, then you're building your life on a false foundation. If you build your life on truth, you build your life in something that can create and will create freedom for you. You know the truth, and the truth sets you free. Truth is the foundation for right beliefs. And we're talking about, as I said, this whole idea, what do you believe about your place in the world? What do you believe about your duties and your responsibilities? And whether we realize it or not, we all have beliefs about how we go about our day-to-day -day life. And I'm going to share three things that the Bible teaches us today in relationship to what we are to believe about this thing called life, daily life, and the duties God gives us in it. The first thing I'd like to talk to you about today is to understand that God actually shapes your life. God is in the process of shaping your life through the responsibilities and processes of your daily duties. That God gives you daily duties and in, them, those, in those responsibilities, God is actually doing something to shape you and to mold you into the person that He created you to be. The most important thing that we will ever do in life is to actually become the person God wants us to be. It's not that we would do what God wants us to do, it's that we would be who God wants us to be. Because if we can become the person God wants us to be, then we will do what we need to be doing in life. And so God's primary calling for you is to work in you, to shape you and mold you into that person that He designed for you to be. Now God does that very much like a potter will take a lump of clay and put it on a potter's wheel and that potter knows how to shape it and use the right tools so that the, the lump of clay becomes something that is beautiful and useful. And every day of your life, God is taking you and I as, as a lump of clay and He's putting us on a potter's wheel and He's using certain tools in our life to shape us, to mold us into that person He's called us to be. He's shaping us. And one of those set of tools that He uses in life is the tool called your daily duties and your daily responsibilities. And every day, there are influences that come your way, there are pressures that you experience, there are things that will happen in the, in the exercising execution of your daily duties that God is using as tools to shape you. That actually, when you go to work to do a job, on your job, God is actually using your job to actually shape you. 
God's using that boss in your life or those people around you to do things in you that could otherwise not be done. God is using the circumstances of your family to shape you. If you're a parent, God is not only using you to shape your children, God is using your children to shape you. How many of you have ever had your child teach you a lesson before? Okay. So God uses these things in life, but if we're not paying attention to the daily stuff, we're not going to be shaped as we need to be shaped. And there are many people that just kind of zip their way through life and they never stop and think about what is God doing in me? What does he want to do in me through the responsibilities he has given to me? Every person here has responsibilities. You are responsible for something in your life right now. If you're a If you're a married person, you're responsible to your spouse and your spouse to you. If you're a parent, you're responsible to your children. Your children are responsible to you. If you have a job, you're responsible to your employer for that job that you have. If you're an employer, you're responsible to your employees. Everybody has responsibilities in life. And the issue is, are we letting God shape us through them? And what is God trying to do in your life right now through your daily duties and responsibilities? The Apostle Paul really believed in the power of what God wanted to do in people's lives every day. Every day is important. Would you say that with me right now? Every day is important. Say it again. Every day is important. There's not a single day that is not important. It may seem like a mundane day. It may seem as though nothing significant happened, but every day is important, and what you do every day is important. Listen to Paul's words to the Thessalonian believers in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 7 through 13. I'm reading from the Living Bible. Notice the emphasis he places on every day, all right? For you well know that you ought to follow our example. So he's about to describe the example he set. You never saw us loafing. That is, just not doing anything productive. You never saw us loafing. We never accepted food from anyone without buying it. We worked hard day and night for the money we needed to live on in order that we would not be a burden to any of you. It wasn't that we didn't have the right to ask you to feed us, but we wanted to show you firsthand how you should work for your living. Paul said, every day you saw how we lived our lives. We were hard workers. We were investing in anything that God gave us and everything God gave us day by day. Verse 10, even while we were still there with you, we gave you this rule. He who does not work shall not eat. That is, to be productive in life, there's investment in life. And then verse 11, yet we hear that some of you are living in laziness, refusing to work and wasting your time, wasting your time in gossiping. That is, not taking advantage of the day in your daily duties. And then he says in verse 12, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we appeal to such people. We command them to quiet down, get to work, and earn their own living. And to the rest of you, I say, dear brothers, never be tired of doing right. Now think about this for a moment. Why would God take up precious space in the Bible? I mean, every word of the Bible is important, right? Amen? Every word in the Bible is important. So why would God take up, special, uh, take up space in the Bible telling us to pay attention daily to the things we're supposed to be doing and to not waste our time, to fail, not refuse to work, to make sure that we're investing our lives appropriately in our daily duties. Why? Because that's important. God uses every day and the circumstances of every day to shape you. Every responsibility in your life is not just something you're doing. There's something that's being done to you through them, that God is shaping you through them. The second thing I want to share with you this morning, very important to understand, a belief that you need to have is this. How you handle the little things in life is a big thing. 
A lot of people miss this belief. How you handle the little things in life really is a very big thing. Unfortunately, a lot of folks, when they think about life, they think only in the big terms. Well, it's only the big decisions that matter. You know, some decisions are not really that significant. It's only the big things that matter. It's only the big sins I commit that are really that important. The little things really don't matter a whole lot. It's only the big opportunities I'm looking for in life. I don't have to worry about those little things that come my way. I want, I want big stuff for my life. And a lot of folks are focused on the big assignments. Don't ask me to do little things. I want to do something big with my life. Everybody is all about the big. But when you, when you begin to study Scripture, you begin to realize that God is very interested in the little, sometimes even more interested in the little than he is in the big, because God says, if you can get the little right, the big will be okay. If you can learn to handle the little things appropriately and understand how valuable they are, then the bigger things will take care of themselves. What are we talking about little? It might be a little attitude that can ruin a lot of things in your life. It may seem to be little, but it has big impact. It might be a little habit that you're not dealing with that over time will grow into a big bad habit that can destroy your life in significant ways. It might be just a little failure to attend to a responsibility that you've been given and that little bit of failure begins to mount up over a period of time and cost you in significant ways. But the little things matter. Many times, as you'll see in Scripture, when God gets ready to do a big miracle, He starts with little things. Do you remember the story of... The time when Jesus told his disciples to feed the 5,000. 5,000 men plus the women and the children that were there. It could have been a crowd of fifteen to 20,000 people that were gathered on that hillside that day. And Jesus looked at his disciples and said, feed them. Let's give them something to eat. And so the disciples began to scratch their heads and try to figure out how we're going to do this. And we don't have enough money to buy food for all this, 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 this massive amount of people. What are we going to do? And Jesus encouraged them to look in the crowd to see what was available. And of course, they found the little boy that brought his lunch that day. And it was five loaves and two fish. And they brought it to Jesus. And they said something like this, Jesus, here is what we found. This little boy has five loaves and two fish. But what is that among such a great need. What, what significance is this little bit that we have, this little lunch, five loaves and two fish. You see all these people, and Jesus said, give me the little, and if you'll give me the little, I'll turn it into a lot. And what Jesus will do in your life is if you will be faithful to give him and be faithful in the little things in life, your little can turn into a lot, but it starts with being faithful in the little. What little things in your life really are big things that God says you need to change your perspective about that dimension of life. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke 16, verse number 10. If you are faithful in, what's the next word there? Little. Would you circle that first word, if? That's a conditional word, yes. In other words, I'm about to give you a condition for success in life or failure in life. If, that is, this is something you can determine that you will do or not do. If you are faithful in little things, and then here is the prediction. He says, I know something about you. You will be faithful in large ones. Jesus said, I understand something about human nature. I can watch how people handle little things and predict what will happen in their future. If you are faithful in the little things, I know that you can then handle larger things in life. But if you are dishonest in little things, you, will be, you, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. That little word dishonest there in the Greek language is a word that obviously means 
means deceptive. It's a word clearly that means that. But it also means to be unjust, to actually be a bad judge or to have a sinful approach to things or to have bad judgment. If you have bad judgment in the way you exercise your duties over little things, you'll have bad judgment in how you exercise your responsibilities over larger things. So Jesus is emphasizing this if. If you do this, if you handle the small things well. See, the world tells you don't sweat the small things. But God says, no, pay attention to the small things because they matter. Matthew 25, verse verse 23, it's a story that needs to be said in its context. We talked a little bit about it last week, and Jesus is telling this parable of of three men, a master and three men, an owner of a business, and three guys that worked for him, and he's about to go away on a job, on a business trip for a period of time, so he calls these three employees in, and to one he gives five bags of gold or five things to invest. To another man, he gives two bags of gold or two things to invest, and another man, he gives one bag of gold or one thing to invest according to their abilities, and he says, I'm going away for a period of time and then he comes back and he calls all three of these employees back together and he asks for them to give an account as to what they've done with what was given to them and the man with five bags had now turned his into ten bags of gold the man with two had turned his into four bags of gold the man with one had done absolutely nothing with what had been given to him I'm going to read for you what Jesus said to both of the men that that produced something with their life. The man that produced went from five to ten. The man that went from two to four. Listen to the same record that the master gives. The scripture says in verse 23 of Matthew 25, the master said, well done, my good and, what's the word again? Faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this. What's the next word there? Small, okay? You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now, that is because you did that, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The master said, you really did well. You took the little bit that I gave, I gave you five, and you turned it into ten. I gave you two, and you turned it into four. You took the little bit that I gave you, and you did something with it. You invested in the little And it became more. Now I'm going to give you even more. Here's the principle of life. The principle that Jesus gives us. God has a promotion plan for you. Did you know that? Did you hear me? God has a promotion plan for you. He wants to take you in continuing steps of growth in your life. He wants to continue to promote you in life. That's the plan of God. But to promote you, you've got to be faithful where you are with what you have right now. Because if you're not faithful to what you have right now, it's a predictor of what's going to happen to you in the future. And so promotion comes by being faithful with what you're given. And when you're faithful with what you're given, then you move to the next level and you're faithful with that. And then you move to the next level and faithful with that because with every promotion comes extended responsibilities. Not just extended blessing, but extended responsibilities. What God is saying is he's looking for people in our world that will be partners together with him to help him do his work in the world. Now, would you all agree this morning across our campuses, would you agree together that our world needs a lot of work? Amen. Okay, you with me on that? Okay. I'm going to ask that again just so I get a little bit better response here. You agree with me that our world needs a lot of work, right? Okay. I'm going to ask you another question. You don't need to respond, but you can think about this. If the world needs a lot of work, a lot of God's work in our world, how does God get his work done in our world? God gets his work done in our world by workers, right? God says, I partner with people, okay? And so any work that's done 
along with work comes responsibilities, correct? Okay? You can't have a job without having responsibilities. How many of you have a position description where you work, right? You're supposed to do certain things, right? There are responsibilities that go with your employment. And so God says, I want to get some work done in the world, and so I want to be able to promote you into greater responsibility so that there can be greater things accomplished. But for that to happen, you've got to be faithful where you are right now. Pay attention to the little things because the little things really do matter. Little things are big things with God. That little attitude that you allow in your life that's negative can be a really big thing in your life. That little habit that you haven't addressed in your life can become a big thing and keep you from the promotion that God has in store for you. Little things matter with God. Little things become big. Take a look with me at what Solomon said in the Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 15. He says, catch us the foxes. I love this next phrase, for it's the little foxes that do what? Spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. Solomon was reflecting back on times that he'd seen vineyards that were just about to produce, and they're little bitty grapes that start appearing on the, on, on the vines. And what often would happen was a little fox would sneak into the vineyard and begin to snatch away the productivity, the fruit of the vine before it could become anything. It could never reach its potential because the little foxes stole it away. You know, in our life, there can be little foxes that show up and start pulling away at the productivity of your life. Be careful. Watch out. Catch the little foxes. Don't let them eat up your productivity in life. The little foxes spoil the vines. One of my, uh, my heroes, if you will, when it comes to sports is actually a coach. I'm gonna, I'll give you the name. Many of you may recall the name. Some of you may not know this name because he coached a while back. But he's actually known as the, 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 the greatest coach in the history of American sports, no matter what the sport is. His name is John Wooden. John Wooden coached at UCLA for many, many seasons. He's known for winning 10 champion championships out of 12 years at UCLA. He had many more years that he coached there, but he's known as a, a wonderful coach, tremendous coach. And John Wooden had uh, lots of principles that he used in coaching his kids. He had a pyramid of success that he talked about in helping kids understand how to develop their character more than just playing basketball. But one of the things that Coach Wooden would do that every season as they started a brand new basketball season at UCLA is he'd call all the team in, freshman up to senior, freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, they all came in to first practice. And these kids were tremendously excited because they're now in the presence of the great John Wooden. They had their first practice with John Wooden as their coach. This winning, successful championship coach. And so they're all sitting there with anticipation, excitement as to what this first practice is going to be. And what John Wooden would do every season that he taught or he coached at UCLA is he would ask, first session, first practice session, he asked every one of his players to take their shoes and socks off. And there for the next period of time, he taught every one of those players how to properly put your socks on and how to properly tie your shoes. He spent the whole first session of his coaching uh, event each year teaching his players how to put their socks on and how to tie their shoes. Now, why would a great coach do something like that? Someone asked him, why? Why do you spend time? I mean, everybody knows how to put your socks on. You learned that at five years of age, right? He said, no, no. What I learned in coaching basketball many years ago in high school, I learned that if you don't get your socks on exactly right, as you're running back and forth on that hardwood floor, 
you have a tendency to develop blisters on your feet. And if you get a blister and it shows up in the fourth quarter of a tight game, it can, it can actually ruin the productivity of a player's capacity. And he said, I also learned that if you don't tie your shoes the right way, it can wear on you or the shoes can come un unlaced at a very critical moment. So I'm going to teach them that the little things really do matter. And folks, I will tell you that in the fourth quarter of a tight game, it matters whether you have a blister or not. And it matters whether your shoe comes untied or not. It's the difference many times in winning or losing a game. Amen? And so it's the little things that really do matter. He was also asked, what do you miss most after he finished coaching? And they thought for sure he would say, I miss all the championship games. I miss all those, those celebrations and all the trophies. But he said, what I really miss most is I re really miss the daily practices. John Wooden had learned something. He learned the fact that the little things really are the big things. Can I challenge you in your life to begin to think differently? To begin to have the perspective that says, you know, it's not just the big thing I'm looking for in life that matters. It's being faithful in the little things. Because if I will take care of the little, then the big will take care of themselves. What do we remember today? What do we believe? We believe, number one, that God is shaping us every day. Amen? That when you get up in the morning and you begin to attend to your duties and responsibilities, you're actually on the potter's wheel and God is shaping you through those responsibilities. And part of the way we approach those responsibilities is to realize that the little things are the big things. And the final thing I want to share with you this morning, a third and vital lesson and belief that we should have, is that accepting responsibility results in rewards from God. When you and I accept responsibilities, it will result from rewards from God. Very important belief. Our God is a rewarding God. Our God rewards with blessing. And some of those rewards that He brings to us are rewards that will happen in the life that is to come. I'm happy to know that when I die, when I leave this life, that I'm going to another place. I'm thankful that when I die, I'm going to heaven. Heaven is a good place. There, therefore, I don't fear dying. I'm not worried about dying because I have a sense of what heaven looks like. I'm not worried about my eternity because I've been promised eternal life. I know that in heaven there will be great rewards that God will bring to us. But not only do we have rewards that will come in heaven, we have rewards that happen here on earth as well. Our God is a God of blessing. He is a God of rewards. He rewards people. See, a lot of folks think of God only as sort of keeping this big book in heaven that has all of your sins and all of your mistakes in it. That's the only book he has in the, in the hearts and minds of many people. He's always kind of recording the bad things that you do. And for some of you, he has multiple volumes of those books, right? Oh, yeah, they did something else bad. Write it down. Oh, there's another thing bad. Write it down. Another thing bad. Write it down. And so God is just keeping this long record of all the bad stuff that you do. And while God does see and know all the bad things we do, thanks be to God in Jesus Christ, we can be forgiven of those things. Amen? Okay? And the wonderful thing about God is that God blots out our sins. He doesn't just sort of says, well, I'll just kind of not look at that page anymore. He actually blots them out. He washes them away. They're cleansed. The, the book is cast aside by the blood of Jesus Christ. So our sins can be dealt with. But I want you to know there's another book that God keeps about your life. It is the book of the good that you do. See, it's not just don't think in terms of God keeping a record of your bad. God also keeps a record of your good because God saved you to do good things. Now, you don't get to heaven by the good things that you do. You get to heaven by putting your faith in the good thing that Jesus did. 
You can't earn salvation by your good works, but having come into salvation in Jesus Christ, you were saved to do good works. And when you do good things, God takes notice of it, and God rewards you when you do the right things in life. Every good choice you make, every choice you make to turn away from wrong and to do right, every choice you make to be a blessing to someone else, to serve somewhere, to give of something, God takes, takes notice of that. He, he not only notices it, but He records it and He rewards you for it. Our God is a rewarding God. He's a blessing God. And you must then live in the anticipation that if I will take my daily duties and do what I ought to do every day, realizing that God is shaping me through it, and I submit to a shaping process as I go through my day-to-day living, and I pay close attention to the little things, because with God, the little things are the big things, then I know that if I will do that, that God indeed will reward me. Let's take a look at some scriptures that underscore this, because it's not just me saying this. It's the scripture, the word of God that says it. Listen to what Colossians 3, 23 and 24 says. Whatever you do, notice that whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know, that's an important word there, that you need to be convinced of this. You need to have this down in the core of your being. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. In other words, if we, whatever we do, we work at it with all of our heart as working for God and not for human masters. We can know this. We can know that we will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Listen to Galatians 6 verse 9. Let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Have you ever grown weary doing good? All of us have. Well, I've been doing good. It seems like nothing good is coming from the good I'm doing. And God says, don't you grow weary in doing good. You keep on doing good. Even though you may not see the harvest at the moment, you keep on doing good. You keep on planting those seeds of good because there will be a proper time. There will be a moment of harvest in your life. That harvest may be in this this world. It may be in the world to come, but you can be promised and be assured of the reality that if you will keep on doing good, God will bring harvest to your life. Ephesians 6 verse 8, because we know, again, there's that word, we're confident of this, we are sure of this, we know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. So the Lord says, be sure of this, know this. Jeremiah 17 verse number 10, I the Lord search the heart and examine the mind. Notice this, to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. There again is the promise. Second Timothy chapter 4 verses 7 and 8 here's the apostle Paul at the end of his life he's been serving Jesus for multiple decades he's preached the gospel in many different places he shared the goodness of God with many folks he's lived out his life as a good testimony of who God called him to be so he's done everything he's known to do was he perfect no but he was a man that lived out to the best of his ability the calling of God for his life and he comes to the end of his life and he writes to his son in the gospel Timothy these words and says I have fought the good fight I have finished the 
race, I have kept the faith. Paul knew that he was about to die. He knew that it was almost over for him. And he says, I want you to know something about my life. I don't have any regrets. I have fought the good fight. That is every spiritual battle I've been in. I put my gloves on and I got in the ring and I fought the fight. I didn't give up. I didn't let the devil bowl bowl me over. I stood up and I stood strong every place and every time I was tested and tempted along the way. I put my boxing, my spiritual boxing gloves on and I fought a good fight. And then he says, I have finished the race. Paul had a race that God gave him to run. He said, I got in my lane and I finished my race. Listen, folks, God has a race for you to finish. And that race has a lane. You have to run your race in your lane. You can't run your race in somebody else's lane. You've got to find your lane. What is the lane that God has given me? To Paul, he was called to be an apostle to the Gentiles. He said, I got in my lane and I stayed in my lane. The apostle Peter, he had a different lane. And the apostle John, John had another lane. But I had a lane called the lane of the apostle Paul. And I stayed in my lane and did what I was supposed to do. You need to get in your lane. Amen. Stop worrying about somebody else's lane. Get in your lane, stay in your lane, run the race that God calls you to run. Paul said, I don't have any regrets at all because I put my boxing gloves on and I fought a good fight and I ran my race. I got in my lane and I stayed in the lane and I have kept the faith. I didn't let the adversary steal the faith away from me. I have lived my life with no regrets. Notice this. Now he says this in verse number eight. Now that is because I've done this, now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge will award or reward to me on that day and not only to me but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Paul says, because I fought the good fight every day I got up and I did what I was supposed to do. I paid attention to my daily duties every day. I didn't live for tomorrow. I lived every day. One day at a time. I fought the battles I needed to fight every day. I got in my lane every day and I ran my race every day. I kept the faith every day. I paid attention to the little things because the little things were the big things. I stayed in the purpose of God for my life. And so now I'm at the end of my life. I don't have any regrets because I know I'm about to leave this world and I'm going to the next world. And the Lord who is the righteous judge, I know this. He's laid up for me a crown. He's laid up for me a reward that he will award to me, not just to me, but to everybody that lives the way I have lived. Dear ones, I want you to know, if you'll live the right way, you'll be rewarded. If you'll live God's way, you'll be rewarded. There's a reward for living God's way. Are you with me today? Okay. There's a reward for living God's way. And the world would try to tell you, oh, you don't get anything for serving God. Yes, you do. You get something for serving God. You may not see it all here, but I promise you, there are rewards that are, there are heavenly rewards that are laid up for Some will come here and some will come in the life that is to come. But I promise you, it pays to serve God. Okay? It pays to serve God. Jesus, as he gave the words to the Apostle John in the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, last chapter of the last book of the Bible. With this, I'm just about done. Jesus spoke something to every one of us. He's speaking something to you today. Last book, last chapter of the Bible. By the way, do you know the book of Revelation is the only book in the Bible that we're told that we're blessed if you read it? Didn't say you're blessed if you understand it. I'm glad because I don't understand it. Okay, so, okay. That's, so you're blessed if you read it, okay? So, hey, pastor, explain to me the book of Revelation. I'm sorry, I can't, I can't. I might explain parts of it to you. I can understand certain elements of it, but some is mysterious. Some of you don't understand all. But the Bible says you're blessed if you actually read it. 
So we come to the 22nd chapter of the book of Revelation, and Jesus speaks something to you. So Jesus is about to say something to you today. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, listen closely. Jesus is about to say something to you. Go ahead and tell him. Say, Jesus is about to say something to you. Okay. Listen closely. Jesus is about to say something. So let's see what Jesus has to say to us. Revelation 22, verse 12. Look, I am coming what? Soon. That's the first thing he says to us. Look, just remember, keep your eyes open. That's what look means. Keep your eyes open. Don't fall asleep. Be aware of the fact I'm coming back soon. We'll say soon. Jesus has been over 2,000 years since, since you, you, you died and rose from the grave, went back to heaven. What do you mean soon? Well, soon is soon. Soon is soon. Because a day is like a thousand years with the Lord and a thousand years like a day. We don't know when Jesus is going to come back again. But he's made the promise. And I will assure you of this. If he promised it, he will do it. He promised he would come the first time. Did he come the first time? He was born in Bethlehem. The angels announced his birth. We know that he came the first time. And he's also said, I'm coming again. So I promise you, if he fulfilled the prophecies relative to his first coming, he will fulfill the prophecies relative to his second coming. So the first thing he says to us is, look, be aware. Open up your eyes. Pay attention. I- I'm coming soon. Now notice what else he says here. Remember, Jesus is saying something to you today. He says, my reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. Jesus said, I am coming soon, and I want you to know something. I'm not coming empty-handed. When I come, I'm coming with my rewards. And I'm going to find you, and I'm going to find you, and I'm going to find you. And when I come back in, I'm going to give you the rewards that are due to you because you've lived your life in a way that has honored me, and you've, you've made the right choices. You've done good things to bless other people. And so there is a reward that comes from Jesus for serving Him, loving Him, obeying Him, living a life that pleases Him. Yes, God is a God who rewards His people. It's hard for us to even imagine because He's already rewarded us so much. Heaven alone to be enough reward, wouldn't it? But that notwithstanding, Jesus says, I have rewards that I bring with you when I come back, bring to you when I come back again. What do you need to believe about your daily duties? Because what you believe will determine your behavior. Are you with me today? What you really believe about every day in your life. Is every day important? Church, is every day important? Every day is important. Why? Because every day God's shaping you. God's doing something every day of your life to shape you. And every day God's watching you to see what are you doing with the little things. Because if you'll do the right thing with the little things, God says, awesome. I'm going to give you a little bit more right now. Because you were faithful in the little, now you can step it up to the next, more responsibility. There's growth and promotion that comes. And then God says, by the way, remember this. That with your faithfulness in these areas, I promise you that I will bring reward. Would you bow your heads together with me in prayer? Father, we're so grateful today for the opportunity that we've had to study your word. We're thankful that you're speaking to us in a very clear way about our daily duties and what we're to believe about them. And I pray you'll take this message and we pray it would become very real in our lives and you'll settle it deep in our hearts. And may it change the way we think, the way we believe. We pray that our hearts would be alive with that fresh revelation from you of what you want to do in us every day. Help us to pay close attention to the little things. Lord, help us to always live with the anticipation of reward from you. Seal this in us, we ask in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's Word that will make a difference in your life now and forever. 
Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with Himself. You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God, and we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. And I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention his name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that, that I am a sinner and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior, the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me, and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward. In Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life, and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ. And to do so, you need some help. You need to learn how to live your life for Jesus every day. We'd like to provide for you. In fact, we have available for you some resources that you can get from our website, church-redeemer.org, that will help you to get a good start in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, check out the website, church-redeemer.org. Find those resources that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. If you've prayed with the pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash newbeginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.